Hey guys, welcome to episode 21 of Paranormal Encounters. Hi everyone. Tonight we have Sharon Murdoch who is going to share her story. And Sharon has actually helped us do some research in the last couple of weeks. Well, so, that's exciting. Big thank you to Sharon. Absolutely. Thank you, doll. So the first story that I want to read tonight, before we get into Sharon's story, is called The Fan People. The Fan People? Like... F-A-N. People that are fans of her? <laughs> I don't think they're fans of Sharon because they haven't heard her story yet. Oh. <laughs> This is just that's just the, the name of the story is the fan people. Okay. <laughs> Back in the mid 1990s, my wife Cheryl and I lived in a small country house near Perry, Florida. The house was quite old, but had just been removed from its original site to a five-acre lot. Although the house was on a dirt road and was not very close to the other houses, one of our neighbors kept hunting dogs in the pen behind the house. The dogs barked all hours of the day and night. Rather than confront the neighbors, we would usually just turn on the fan to the central heating and cooling system. The system had been salvaged from a much larger house, and it made quite a breeze. It also generated a considerable amount of white noise that masked the sound of the dogs. While my wife has believed in ghosts and spirits since she was a very young girl, I'm a skeptic. My wife had claimed to have seen and felt ghosts before, but I always believed that she was just dreaming or letting her imagination run away with her. One evening, after my wife had already gone to sleep, I was lying awake in the bed when I heard what sounded like two men and a woman talking right outside of our bedroom window. I couldn't quite make out the words, but the voices sound just like three people having a friendly conversation. At first, I was puzzled. Then I was angry. I couldn't see why anyone would be talking outside of our window since the house was at least a hundred feet back from the road. So I peered through the blinds and looked outside. Even though I could still hear the people talking, I saw no one. I then quietly opened the bedroom window and stuck my head outside. The only sound that I could hear was of the crickets. This episode repeated itself on several occasions. Once I even got dressed and went outside to look. The voices generally seemed to be either two men and a woman, or one man, one woman. Although I didn't hear the voices most nights, I finally decided that the sounds were somehow caused by air traveling through the ducts, and I gave up worrying about it. One evening, just before going to bed, my wife asked me if I'd heard the fan people. I asked her what she was talking about. She answered, half expected to me to laugh at her, the voices when the fan is turned on. I was flabbergasted. I had no idea she'd even heard the voices. You mean the two men and the woman, I asked. Yes, and sometimes it's one man and a woman, she replied. It turned out that we had both been hearing the same voices for some time now. Over time, the voices came with less and less frequency. Eventually, they stopped altogether. Before they stopped, my wife claimed to have heard them once when the fan was off. We did have a few other unusual encounters in the house, but never really felt frightened or threatened. Before we moved, my wife had a friend who was a psychic visit the house. According to this friend, when the house was moved, it had been placed on the pathway to another dimension. The house itself wasn't haunted, but the spirits would frequently pass by it in their way to the afterlife. Do I believe this? I'm not sure. I will, however, admit to being much more open-minded to the possibility that ghosts are real. And that's from Dave in Claremont, Florida. Wow. What do they mean that how they the house was moved on to that yeah, property? Yeah, they, they literally, like we talked about, and it seems like... It, what three is or up? four episodes, they this they physically moved the what house. What is up with that? 
I don't know. You put, I mean, I guess it's really done a lot more than we ever expect. Well, there's a house in Louisiana. You've probably seen this post flying around Facebook where people recently are talking about, hey, this this house, uh, nobody wants to buy it, but they're giving it away for free, and but nobody wants to live in it because it's haunted. Well, the real reason is they need you to move it. Oh. And from its location and it, it might they might give you the house for free but it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to move a house oh so. god yes of there course yeah there's just too much risk yeah i mean every, anything could happen i mean people who know what they're doing i've seen people physically on well, tv I mean, I have do too. it but it just amazes me that somebody would do it hmm. have i lived before is the name of my story I was born on a farm during the horse and buggy days. Hmm. Jerry says that told me a lot. <laughs> Don't you doll? I do. <laughs> but I never drove the team or had anything to do with these horses. Only my father and grandfather used the horses. When I was about 12 years old, a relative gave us a horse. I wanted to keep it, but grandfather said no. We do not have room or feed for a third horse. Then mother said, Grandmother can use the horse. With only a rope around the horse's head, I led her to a porch and jumped onto it bareback. It was a moment I will never forget. I felt as if I had been riding all my life. I felt like I was part of the horse as I rode the mile to grandmother's farm, guiding the horse with the rope and my legs across her sides. This unbelievable familiarity baffled me because I had never heard of reincarnation. It would be many years before I would learn about it and become interested in the possibility of past lives. 43 years later, I began collecting firing replicas of muzzle-loading black powder guns of the style popular in the Old West. I bought a Derringer, a pepper box, a flintlock, and a replica of the 1860 Colt with a 7.5-inch barrel, which was used by both the North and South during the Civil War. I learned that sheriffs and gunfighters did not use this Colt. The long barrel took too long to come out of a holster during fast draw combat. Instead, they used the sheriff's model 1860 with a barrel that was 2 inches shorter. I decided to add the sheriff's model to my collection. It was delivered by UPS. I was so anxious to see it, I unpacked it in my van and got the surprise of my life. My hand closed over the grip and I drew it instinctively, fanning the hammer with the palm of my left hand. For a few seconds, my van disappeared and I was in a gunfight. I did not see my opponent. My view ahead was clouded as if through a veil. It lasted only seconds, but I was sure that I had held this gun before. It fit my hand like a glove. Fanning the hammer with the left hand was a common practice in those days. These were single-action guns, and there was no time to cock the hammer during fast-draw combat. Being the first to fire was more important than accuracy, because the second shot by fanning was immediate. I have no idea on which side of the law I had been, if this was indeed a flashback from a previous life. Even today, many years after the experience, I feel an inexplicable sensation when I pick up this special gun. It fits my hand as if it belongs. Nothing like this has ever happened when I pick up any other gun. And this is from Joseph in Brisbane, California. Well, that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. I've never heard one like that. Yeah. 
I mean, it makes you think, how could he know to do that? That's true. I mean, how would he know to do that at all? But you already know I'm a big believer in reincarnation. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I am too. That was a good story. Awesome. All right, let's take a quick brief from our sponsor, and then we will listen to Miss Sharon Murdoch. Hey, guys, it's time to welcome our next guest. She's a little bit north uh, from us up in Ohio. This is Sharon Murdoch. I'm sure you've seen her several different times in her pink hair in the group. <laughs> Sharon, thanks for coming on and sharing a story with us. No problem at all. So your story, you, you went to the Licking County Jail and took a tour and had some experiences, and you want to share with us, so I'm just going to turn the microphone over to you and let you tell your story. Perfect. Um, so it was actually for Valentine's Day, and my wonderful boyfriend planned a trip down to the Buxton Inn, which is also very haunted. It wasn't for us. We didn't have anything happen to us there. But while we were there, I just kind of Googled, you know, things to do around the area, and we came across this old Licking County Jail ghost tour so we're like well we're here it's not that far so let's just go ahead and go and it was sort of on a whim we get there and there wasn't a lot of people there so it ended up being a very small group that night so it was just us and two other couples on this ghost tour you know we get there and the people were very nice and they were showing us some evidence that they had gotten we're like okay cool and it's very pretty it's like small but it like there's this beautiful like stonework on the outside we didn't really get any like weird vibes when we walked in but once we were on the ghost tour you know it's all in the dark and you just get a little flashlight and so we're going through and they're telling us the history of the building so four sheriffs actually died there for unknown reasons like they couldn't track down the exact reason so it was like actually in pretty quick succession that they died which is very creepy on its own i'm sure then, i'm sure today it would be listed as covid19 oh yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> but most of them actually died of like heart problems they assume but you know it was the like 1800s 1900s so who knows and then so you know they're kind of telling us about the sheriffs and we're in those quarters and the lady's talking so we don't want to be rude so we're not like talking over them or anything and my boyfriend just kind of elbows me and he's like i hear something laughing behind me and he kind of whispers it in my ear but i don't want to make too big of a scene about it you know and i'm like are you sure and he's like yeah and then we keep going on the tour and we get into the women's block so apparently at this jail they had two different wings but they it was such a small town that they couldn't afford to have separate places for women and men so on the first or on, i'm sorry on the third floor there were men and then on the second floor there were women and we're hanging out you know listening to the lady talk about the women's cell and famous people that were there and there's this notorious killer who like dismembered and ate her husband serving time there and all of a sudden i get this tingle on my head like the feeling you get you would get if you were like laying on the couch and somebody's brushing their fingers through your hair mm-hmm you know that tingling you get on your scalp? I used and to. And I feel it. <laughs> you used to? Oh, right. Because you're bald now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of like chalk it off because, okay, maybe it's just like a bug or like a cobweb or something. I just stuck through. But it was so distinct that it like stuck with me. And then as we are going on the tour, we get up to the third floor. They're taking us through the men's cells. And I just get overwhelming like nausea. As we step into this Carl Etherington's cell, and I'm probably saying his name wrong. Basically, he was an agent for anti 
drinking laws and stuff. So he was like tracking down people that were bootlegging alcohol. And so he was actually there to protect him because word got out and people were after him. So a mob of 5,000 people ended up finding out that he was there and he tried to take his own life in the cell. So apparently while he was in the cell, he lit himself on fire and he was hitting his head against the wall. But the mob still got to him before he died, and they ended up lynching him outside of the jail. They were committed. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it was apparently a big thing. They, you know, women, children, everyone from the nearby area was there to watch this man hang. So I'm in the cell, and they're telling us about him, and I'm getting just super nauseous and hot, and I felt dizzy. And I'm like, my head hurts, and I kind of tell my boyfriend, like, hey, I think I need to go outside. I don't feel good. And this was before they mentioned any of the craziness that happened with him trying to take his life. So I honestly think that I was feeling what he was feeling that day. You know, like how he would be feeling with like his cell full of smoke and these people after him and him hitting his head, you know, on the wall repeatedly trying to end his life before the mob got him. So whatever, I get out of the cell and I start to feel fine and we continue on the tour. So apparently there's spirit there uh, named David who really likes women (laughs) and we don't know about David until we're at the end of the tour and apparently David likes to play with women's hair and all of a sudden I get this flashback of oh my gosh I felt like my hair was played with he had a preference for blondes um, according to the tour guide but I could also see maybe him being kind of like what's this pink hair I've never seen pink (laughs) hair before (laughs) It's cotton candy or what? <laughs> yeah. Like, I could kind of see him being kind of intrigued by it. Like, I've never seen this before and playing with my hair. You know, again, I felt like this hand went through my hair. So then we get into where the sheriffs and, like, the families and stuff of the prison lived because it was all, you know, done in-house. Again, it's a small group, and we kind of split off. And I go into where the sheriffs would have slept, like, their bedroom. And it's just me in there. Uh, I don't have my flashlight on. And the rest of the tour group is on the other side of, like, the hallway in a different bedroom. So I'm standing there, and I'm just kind of, like, looking around, whatever. All of a sudden, I feel like somebody brushed past me. Like, if you were in, like, a crowded mall. Like, that same feeling of, like, somebody, like, bumping your shoulder Mm -hmm. and walking past you. And I quickly turn around, and I see the head and the shoulder and, like, half of a torso of something walk past me. And I felt it and I saw him leave the room. So, of course, I'm stunned. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what I just saw. But it was so clearly like the outline of a person walking past me. And I go out into like the lobby area and everybody's like sort of like coming back together. And I'm like, babe, I just felt and saw someone walk past me. And he goes, you know, it's weird when I looked over at you. I swear I saw a shadow. And so I think, like, he was, like, over on the other side. Like, there's, like, you know, like, the, I don't know, corridor, I guess you could call it. Like, but it's pretty big. But he's over at the other end of it. And he's looking over at me, like, seeing what I'm doing. And he thinks he saw the shadow walk out of the room as well. Mm. And that's pretty much it. We actually did get some crazy pictures there. So, again, it's all in the dark. Uh, Most of us didn't have our flashlights on. And so I take a picture pitch black down one of the cell blocks and my phone does a thing where it will take five quick pictures in a row and so I take the picture and it does the five 
And so we get back to the little inn and I'm going through my pictures and there's at the very end of the cell block, there is a door and it's where you can like, you know, exit or whatever in a case of emergency. And there's a big sign on it. The first picture, you can see the sign. There's nothing in front of it, whatever. But as the pictures go on, you see the shadow cut in front of the sign and standing there. And you can clearly see a head, shoulder, body of a person standing there, totally blocking out the sign. It's probably one of the craziest pictures I've ever gotten. And I do have some other stories and I've gotten some other pictures at some other locations. It was just like proof. It was just like, okay, yeah, what happened to you was real and there was something there. Um, So that's pretty much my story. Ghost Adventures actually did a episode on the jail, if you want to watch that. Kind of goes into like the David thing more, which they actually think is a pretty like demonic, if you want to say a spirit there. And that's about it. That seems like a pretty active tour. I mean, I've been on a bunch of ghost tours and and other than one at Bobby Mackey's, I've never had anything happen whatsoever. No, and we go to place after place. Like this is what we do on our spare time. We love traveling for these tours and, you know, trying to go do new things and, you know, see haunted things or whatever. Honestly, it's probably one of the only true paranormal experiences that I've had. Oh, that's Um, really cool. we, We did go to Rolling Hills Asylum and we saw some shadows walking around, but nothing like where I felt like I was feeling how this person felt and nothing like I felt a spirit walk past me, you know, like it was just so real. It'll just be something that like we end up just kind of remembering for the rest of our lives. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you had that one paranormal experience on a tour and it was Valentine's Day because the one that I just told you about that Tracy and I had on Bobby Mackey's was also on Valentine's Day. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, <laughs> yeah, we went there for uh, my birthday, which is also on Valentine's Day. So I don't know if um, the spirits were just being extra generous with me or <laughs> um, who it's a, knows. It's a birthday. Um, Throw her a collarbone. <laughs> sure. You know, like, because I ended up telling my boyfriend, Bill, we're not going to go to a fancy dinner. <laughs> I want to go to this jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe it was them compensating for, like, him kind of missing out on the Valentine's Day he wanted in lieu of, you know, this creepy thing I wanted to go do. Because it was my birthday, you know, I get to choose (laughs) that's right you get the trump card it's both your valentine's day but it's your birthday so right and so um you know i don't know if they were just being extra generous with me or what but honestly it was the craziest thing i've ever experienced and even more than the sheriff i'm assuming leaving his bedroom and walking past me and feeling him walk past me the feeling i got in carl's cell was something i will never forget because it truly was. I was fine. I walked into the cell and then all of a sudden I'm sweating and hot and nauseous and my head hurt. I was about to like sit down on the floor <laughs> of this very decrepit old <laughs> jail. <laughs> I leave and I'm fine. It was just, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. It was just this overwhelming feeling and I didn't know the history of it until after you know there's i think that there's something there that i think that was the point where i realized that i was maybe a little bit more sensitive than i realized to like maybe some you know paranormal stuff well it's an awesome story nonetheless and i appreciate you coming on and sharing it sure no problem i really urge anyone who's in ohio to go do their flashlight tours because it is well worth the 15 dollars to go do it yeah that's pretty cheap for real oh yeah I mean, and it's an experience I'll never forget. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I'll talk to you soon. 
Sure. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. I always love these prison stories. I wish we could have went into Ohio State Reformatory when we rode past. Oh, I know. We'll make a trip up there. And I can't wait to go to Alcatraz. Oh, my gosh. We're going to do that next year. I'm telling you, we're going to take about a two-week trip to California, and we're going to do nothing but see all these different sites. Oh, man. That's exciting. So I'm excited. So we'll do a bunch of meet-up with you guys along the way. But we probably won't do any live shows out there, but we'll just, hey, we're going to be in L.A., this night and we'll be in san diego this night and we'll be in sacramento this night we'll make three stops and we should be able to see most of you guys from that point that'd be so, awesome that'd be fun yeah we'll be gotta right, make guys. it happen yes we're gonna make it happen yeah okay all right we love you guys <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next week